All right, let's do it. Everybody, welcome. Nope. I gotta start. So I, <laughs> I always struggle with this saying everyone. Hey guys, everyone. Now, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, dude, episode number 74. Title of this one, Day in the Life of an Audio Engineer. I've got a special guest today, Mr. Ryan Monette. Ryan, welcome. Did I say your last name right? Monette, yeah, you got it. Perfect. You, well, you are you the are show. the minority. Well, how do how do people say your name? Monet. Monet. Which is, I mean, it kind of looks similar, but there's the T T E at the end. You're not French, are you? No. Okay, then it is Monet. Mon- yes. Monet. Uh, we're Monet. just gonna we're gonna leave that. <laughs> cut that all out. Uh, you are a professional audio engineer. You graduated from Berkeley College of Music with a degree in music production and engineering. And uh, for the last almost five years, you've been the post-production audio engineer for Elevation Church in Charlotte's, Charlotte's? Charlotte, yes. Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, and you do you have a lot of jobs there. So so I'm, I I wrote this intro based on an email you sent me introducing yourself. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. I'll just read that <laughs> on the show. <laughs> there uh, it is. Boom, boom operator, field recorder, sound designer, audio editor. You mix uh, their global TV show. Do you Correct. mix that live? Uh, not necessarily we okay. kind of we can get into that later but yeah there's a there's a process for that oh cool so maybe we hear about that so absolutely um and some of the creatives creatives <laughs> i know some of them hate that word some of the creative people here uh might have heard you, some of your work because you like sound designed and mixed the opening videos for the the past two years of circles conference which Correct. i was at so have you been there for the past two years circles i i have not personally no i've oh okay been, oh, that's a bummer because I have. Yeah, I've definitely wanted to go, and uh, I I love, I mean, I love it from afar, and I want to I want to go in person. <laughs> Dude, okay, so like if if money is an issue, here's what I'm going to do next year. I'm I'm going to go, but I'm like I'm not going to pay for a ticket. I'm not going to go watch the talks. I'm just going to like get to hang out with everybody at coffee shops and food. Yes, it's be I love so that. much cheaper. Yeah. So maybe you could hopefully no one from circles because like, I like the conference, but. You know, money's tight. You want to invest in microphones and stuff. Okay, and you even had <laughs> you even had your own podcast for a while. I did. Uh, so, I I want you to come on your show. You emailed me, and I want you to come on my show because because I you know when I first got started, I had dreams of being a professional audio engineer. Like, how cool would it be to work in audio and get paid for it? Like, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, and I, and I kind of fell backwards into it by being a podcast editor professionally first, and then finding uh, finding Sean McCabe and ending up working for him full time, editing podcasts and just helping out with a ton of other stuff. But so I wanted to get you to share your advice for anyone who uh, is interested in working in audio slash video professionally and and talk about how you got there yourself. So yeah, man, that, that was a long rambly intro and I'm fine with it. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine, fine with, with it. it let's, play the, <laughs> let's play the intro music. Let's get into this. All right. Yeah, man. Another Monday, another episode. Beautiful Monday. I love Mondays. I do too. I love every day. Do what I love every day and you love every day. Yes. All right. Welcome to the Podcast Dude episode 74. My name is Aaron Dowd and I'm here to help you make an awesome podcast. So today, you know, oh, you know what? I was supposed to give, I started this thing where I was supposed to give random facts about myself. Oh. Uh, okay, random fact for today. I used to be really into skateboarding. Wow. I could do, I could do some things. I could do some heel flips. I could do some pop shove it, some grinds. Uh, but it, skateboarding is a very painful hobby. So that stopped around uh, yeah. 20 or 21. You, you advanced a lot further than I did. I also caught on to the skateboarding craze. 
uh-huh. definitely around the uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater era. Yep. <laughs> I think that's what inspired a lot of us. I uh, I kind of put it on the shelf after uh, after the Ollie. That's about as far as I got. <laughs> ah, I got into some cool stuff, but so that's random fact for today. Um, completely useless, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> but fun. Yeah, Ryan. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Thank so you. So tell me. Tell me a little bit about how you got into audio. Like when um, you can go back as far as you want. When did you first realize that? Well, I was, was born in 1988. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, kidding. 85 for me. So, <laughs> um, well, what I love about so I love listening to your podcast, and what I love about it for one is I feel like you and I have a lot of similarities just in our backgrounds. So mm-hmm. you're a musician, you're a drummer. I'm also yeah. a musician. <clears throat> what do you Excuse play? Me. Uh, well, I play several things. My primary instrument's bass. Okay, cool. And, uh, but along with that, I actually started on piano, mm-hmm. uh, picked up bass and with the bass, picked up guitar, uh, took some drum lessons here and there as well. Uh, yeah. I sing as well. So I dabble in a little bit of everything. I'm kind of the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm okay at a lot of things, but I'm not superb at one thing. Right. But anyway, so. I would say right around junior high, high school is when I started playing the bass and uh, started playing in little bands here and there. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it came time for college, I had no clue what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I loved music. And so same here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I just went to, you know, a a university at the time I was living in Las Vegas. And so I just decided, well, everyone's got to kind of have that college experience and I didn't want to go to college in the same city. So I decided, okay, I need that going away from home experience. So I went to the University of Nevada, Reno, and I took just your basic general classes, not knowing what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And at this time, uh, for my high school graduation, I had received a graduation present of a MacBook Pro. Oh, the best, man. Yes. It was the best present that I've gotten. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so with that, of course, you get the uh, the wonderful iLife suite, including GarageBand. <laughs> yep. And as a musician, a whole so new exciting. world was opened up to me. So exciting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when I was in a band in high school, I was always the one who, I was the gearhead. I loved the PA. I loved putting cables together and whatnot. I was just drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And so once I had this, this MacBook Pro with GarageBand, and I had my bass and my guitar and my dorm. I was like, man, I can create music. And I figured out how to work it, how to record myself. Uh, just bought a microphone, a USB microphone. And, uh, <laughs> and that world was opened up. And when I was there, I had a friend and her brother went to this school that all they learned about was music. Man. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, you could do that? Like you could go to right. school for just music? <laughs> And so uh, I found out about Berkeley. Uh, I actually uh, applied, and you have to audition as well. Uh, I applied and auditioned, and the first time I tried, I actually didn't get in. Yeah, and so because they're they're I, see, I, this sparks something in my mind. I'm, I'm remembering, like I feel like I might have either read an article about that or or looked into it and been like, no, like they're really strict on who they accept based on your performance. Yeah, and that everyone, was intimidating to me at the time because I never felt like I was that good of a drummer. <laughs> and I, I mean, it was intimidating for me too. And clearly, like, I, I guess I was not up to par <laughs> when it well, came. But for, man, but I, I want to say you you actually went for it, and that's and that's something more than a lot of people would do. 
Yeah. So after I finished my first year at UNR, I, I moved back to Vegas and uh, went to UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, I took just all music classes, just forgetting the the general ed stuff that you need to get a degree, just like all music classes, music theory, because uh, I had never had actual music theory classes or anything like that. So I decided, you know, I need that. And then with that, there was also some audio classes that I took as well because I was like, hey, I, I like this audio thing. And uh, so that was actually my f- my first exposure to formal audio class teaching kind of thing where I actually kind of learned about all the proper techniques and whatnot. And that was my first little glimpse. And so that later on that year, I applied and auditioned again for Berkeley, got accepted. And then the next year, I moved to Boston and went to Berkeley for about three and a half years and then graduated. Um, and when I went to Berkeley, I decided, yeah, I didn't want to go. And pretty much the only thing that drew me that I wanted to get a major in was music production and engineering. I, want, yeah. I naturally loved the gear side of things. I, I fell in love with recording and I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah, so you, you got to spend you got to spend was it three years? Did you say three and a half years? Three and a half years, yeah. Just like, I mean, it's basically full time getting to study and learn all this stuff. Yes, it is nonstop, twenty four seven music, audio, and to be honest, I miss being in that environment yeah. so much. <laughs> I was about to say that sounds fantastic. I'm like, I, I'm gonna go f- talk to Sean and see if I can get him to pay <laughs> for me to go to uh, go to college for three years to do that. No, no, it really like I I love that. One of my one of my one of the most important things in my life is like setting aside time to take online classes and read books and listen to interviews about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh. Excellent. So, so you were drawn to the to the audio engineering stuff, and then you graduated. Yeah, and uh, I think if I I can remember the specific time in my life where it was, I'm pretty sure it was my last semester at Berkeley. They went by semesters instead of years. Yeah, uh, it was my last semester, and it was in one of my uh, capstone classes. And I remember our instructor asking us. Where, you know, the typical, where do you see yourself in five years kind of question? I, I love, <laughs> I love, I love I that love, question now. I hated it when I was 22. <laughs> exactly. And I, I love, I love Sean's approach to the 20 year. Right. There's, which which is, yeah, great. he did a podcast episode recently. I don't, I don't remember the number, but I will put a link in the show notes, which are at the podcastdude.com slash 74. Um, definitely check that I'm, out. I'm, I'm all for Sean West Airlines, by the way. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was listening to a book about <laughs> Warren Buffett's life, and he was talking about how he always regretted investing in airlines. So maybe it's not <laughs> just a good business. But I like the, the the point is that like think long term, dream big, like yes. plan out where you where you want to be. Because if you do, if you if you like if you can envision it, then you can figure out how to get there. But you got to start by saying. I want to do this thing someday. Like for me, it was, I want to do work from a laptop. How do I get there? And yeah. now I'm there. And and it's Boom. like, and there's nothing special about me, but it, that's just the process. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Okay, so you were 22 and somebody asked you <laughs> the the hardest question. Where, I don't know what, how old you were, but you, early 20s, I'm guessing. I think I was, I probably was 22. Yeah. Either, either that or 21. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so somebody <laughs> asked you, so, so Ryan, where do you want to be? And where do you see yourself in five years? And at this moment, um, I was kind of, you know, trying to figure that out naturally as you do when you're approaching the end of college. And mm-hmm. while I was at Berkeley, 
you know, I loved music and I, I loved recording music, but my absolute favorite class, and they only had one of them, and mm. it was my the class that I I like yearned for, that I wanted to take, that I wanted to put in all these extra hours for, like, give me the assignments, please, give me mm. knowledge, <laughs> was audio for visual media, audio for video. Mm. Uh, and that, yeah, like I said, that by far was my favorite class. Our The whole class we were basically working towards our final project was you choose a, a five to seven minute clip from a, a well-known movie and all the audio is completely stripped and you have to recreate everything. And that's all the dialogue, all the foley, all the ambience backgrounds, all the hard effects, all the sound design. You have to connect with a film scoring student there at Berkeley and they have to provide the score. Wow. So that that I I absolutely loved every aspect of that project of the process. And so uh when it came time towards my end of, of Berkeley and I kind of uh saw myself honestly in three places. I saw myself uh I could be uh audio engineering at a studio, at a recording studio. Mm-hmm. Uh like we talked about in the pre-show, I, I love Disney and I love the Disney parks. I could see myself working at Disney, hopefully oh, maybe yeah. becoming an imagineer. And then I also saw myself, uh, I've always been involved with, with church, with playing uh, on worship teams and whatnot. So I saw myself either possibly doing audio for a church. I didn't even know if that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, long story short, I was actually really privileged to kind of dip my feet in all of those things after college. After I graduated, I moved back to Las Vegas mm-hmm. and uh, eventually I found a an incredible recording studio, probably one of the top two recording studios in Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, and pretty much landed an internship. Yeah. I, I say internship loosely because <laughs> your typical uh, studio internship is all the uh, stereotypical grunt work, taking out the trash, doing the coffee and whatnot. Honestly, I showed up and it was kind of like, oh, you went to Berkeley? Yeah, Berkeley guys are cool. Like, here, just hop on this session and help us out kind of thing. Like, it, it was just, like, open to me and, and thrown at me. And next thing I knew, I was assisting on sessions with with huge clients and whatnot. I won't name drop or anything like that. But, I no, mean, I mean was, you, can, you can drop a couple <laughs> names if you want, man. It's fine. Um, I, I had a pretty fun time helping out with a session with um, a famous uh, engineer, Eddie Kramer, who is Dang. engineering for yeah. Carlos Santana. Dang, man. <laughs> That's awesome. So I love that, that. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. But yet while I was there, I, I had this gut feeling kind of inside of me telling me like, uh, this it's not isn't quite it. right. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's, it's it's fine, but it's not like Yeah, like I could see myself thing. staying here, working my way up kind of thing, but this doesn't feel right. And uh a couple months later, I uh applied and was offered a job at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Dang, so man. packed my bags, moved to Orlando, and I was working as a stage technician at uh, the Epcot Park. And mm. so there I was pretty much doing, they, they found out that I was an audio guy. And so they kind of pushed me towards the live audio side of things. So I was mixing shows and bands uh, at Epcot and also at their, at the time, downtown Disney, now Disney Springs uh, area. So I was doing that, and same thing, as soon as, almost as soon as I got there, the same gut feeling kind of came in, just like, ah, this isn't it. I mean, I, I'm more of a studio engineer. I definitely don't want to do live stuff, and it just, though I love Disney, it just wasn't sitting right. Yeah. Um, 
and <laughs> I was I was I was only there a whopping three months before uh, the next great opportunity came up, which is where I'm at right now. Uh, one of my friends told me about a uh, job opening for this church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Elevation Church, which I had actually been following because of their podcast. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I've I been listening to the, I've been listening to their podcast for probably a year at this point. And, uh, at the time I was kind of like, eh, well, I got a job. I'm fine. It's whatever. And, yeah. but for some reason I ended up on their website, just looking at, at the job and mm-hmm. I was reading and I was like, wait a minute, all, all the stuff it's pointing towards is audio for video. And it's mm. like, that's, that's what I really want to do. So yeah. I, on a whim, I just threw out my resume and next thing you know, I've been here for going on five years. Oh wow, man, that's awesome! Did you <laughs> yeah. did you mention that you were a, a podcast listener when you sent in your resume? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, dude! Like it, it, the connections you can make through podcasting is really just incredible. It, it is, and it's such I, it seems like such an intimate. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, medium. I, there was another word that came to mind, but I totally lost it. Yeah, it ju- it seems like such an such an intimate thing, like. How about listening experience? to someone experience <laughs> and we're having an intimate experience right now okay <laughs> let's not make this weird <laughs> not, let's not uh, too intimate <laughs> no but that is awesome man so you've been there five years so that's fantastic so okay let's let's pause i want to jump into what you do there um yes. but let's pause in and back up just a little bit like maybe let's do a section where you talk about like what you what advice you would tell someone who was wanting to get started? I wrote a couple things down here. Uh, I, I think it's hilarious that you said uh, you, your first kind of you got a MacBook and then your first microphone was a USB microphone, and I, and I think which was mine, the blue snowball, by the way. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst microphone, <laughs> and I had I no idea one. how to use it either. <laughs> uh, I well, it's I, confusing at first. Yeah, if I find some of the earliest recordings I did, there are definite times where I am just <laughs> clipping to the max, just square <laughs> waves. Probably bad mic technique too. Oh, so yeah. so so let's. I'm going to say that start there. Anyone who is like wanting to do anything in audio, get. Get a cheap USB microphone. It's it's fine. I, I like the Blue Yeti, yeah. but it's like a hundred bucks. The ATR twenty one hundred. Like find the Blue Snowball. Like you got it. You just got to get something that can record some audio yep. and start playing with it. You know, start playing with GarageBand. Start playing with the free programs. Learn how to learn how to like <laughs> learn how to enable recording on a track. How to set like your input device to the microphone. How to set that your uh, your output device to wherever your headphones are plugged into you know yeah. whether that's your mic or your computer one those it took me so long to figure that stuff out I was like why can't I hear the audio in my headphones yeah. what yeah. is going on same here well, because you got to set input and output and then you got to learn how to record enable or in, do the input monitoring all that stuff but start with a USB microphone take some basic classes like there are so many great online classes if you don't have any money at all like you're you're super broke like I was when I started uh, watch some free YouTube videos, you know, read, a, try to read a book. I've got one for you. Uh, oh, what you, you got? If you go to Coursera, that's C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A. So they share the middle E. Coursera, uh, I believe is .org. They're a website with a bunch of, you, you can pay to do online courses to get certifications and whatnot, but they sure. also offer free online courses. And they also even offer free online courses from Berkeley. They have, oh, yeah. at times, they will have, I've seen up there a music production class. 
Mm-hmm. I've taken a free online songwriting class and it's just a pool of so much incredible knowledge. I took a photography class on there. Uh, so Corsair is a great place. I'm not getting paid or anything like this. No, <laughs> it, it's Cor- fine. It's fine. Corsair, I use Amazon affiliate links all the time. So yeah, whatever. It, so Corsair is great if you want to actually take free online courses. Yeah. Yeah. There are places online to get there. You can learn all this stuff online. You just like, you got to go, you got to invest some time. Yeah. So, and so it really is just, just start, you know, just like, don't wait until you have the $500 for the interface and the $200 for the professional headphones and the professional microphone, just wherever you are right now, whether you're wanting to start a podcast or start like recording audio for a video or mixing a band, recording and mixing a band, just start doing something like, yeah, stop, (laughs) stop like spending all your time thinking about how you can't do something because you don't have X gear or you're not in the right place and just start doing something because you'll learn as you do, especially in audio. You're going to make a ton of mistakes. (laughs) Oh, that's that's how you learn, though. That's one of the yep. most valuable things I've learned in life is that you learn from your mistakes. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't really learn when everything goes well. No. <laughs> huh. Funny. Okay. So so what about you? Any other any other advice you give somebody like thinking back on how you got to where you are right now? I mean, honestly, you definitely hit the nail on the head with just start. I mean, it's as simple and cliche as Nike. Just do it. I mean, just um, do it. <laughs> Honestly, you, there's always going to be the, the next latest and greatest, the gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, we've all been susceptible. Sus, oh, okay, forget that word. We've susceptible. all been. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've all been there where it's like, oh, well, yeah, sure. I could do this if I had fill in the blank. Yep. Uh, but honestly, it just starts with the drive, the determination and just you know, just wanting to do it. Just there's like we talked about, there's knowledge out there everywhere. You just got to dig for it. And chances are you have at least something that you can start with. Do you have a phone? Yeah. Record yeah, something I was on about your to phone. Say, I have, I have a friend who makes some, some awesome music on his iPhone. Oh, totally. I, I mean, it's as simple as getting an adapter and you can plug your guitar, whatever into your, your phone and just kids you've got, these days have it so easy, man. <laughs> you've got GarageBand on your phone. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I remember when I was figuring this out in high school, we actually had a four track tape recorder. That, that was my first start. <laughs> awesome. All right. So yeah, so just get started. Whatever you got, you, if you got a phone, yeah, if you got, even if you got a computer, that's, that's a good start, a computer, mm-hmm. <laughs> wherever you are. All right. So, so what kind of stuff do you do at the church? Like what's your, what's your day to day life like? Uh, I mean, are, are you there every day or is it just a couple of days a week? How does that oh, work? Oh, no, I'm, I'm definitely here every day. It's, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Through In the past five years, I've probably played every audio role that there is to be played here. Hmm. Uh, my, my main kind of thing now, at least, is, is basically audio for broadcast. So pretty much anything that leaves the church, uh, our, our hugest... Our hugest is not a word. Our yeah, biggest, sure it is. <laughs> our, biggest it is out, <laughs> our biggest output is, is the sermon that goes mm-hmm. to a lot of a lot of places, which it also goes in the TV episode, which we talked about, uh, which mm-hmm. goes uh, locally, nationally, and and I, I believe globally as well. And um, yeah, so that that's a lot of what I've done. But with that, I've also done. Uh, we cre- create a lot of films, a lot of short films for our actual worship experiences. Just anything you can imagine, video, audio related, uh, audio post-production, like we talked about, I, I'm i constantly on video shoots, uh, using field recorders as a boom op, 
uh, lobbing up people, <laughs> anything you can think of, audio for video, I've I've done it. Yeah. So so let's talk about your gear a little bit at first. So so what yes. kind of stuff are you using most in everyday life? Because I'll I'll just do a, a quick recap. Like I have. So I have the the Shure Beta 87A mic as my main podcasting microphone. Mm-hmm. It's attached to a, a Scarlett 18920 USB interface, which is plugged into a quad core iMac. That's a couple years old. Nothing nothing super fancy, but I'm I'm really happy with where I am. Like because I remember wanting all this stuff back in 2011, just thinking how awesome it would be to have it. Yeah. Um. You know, I got I got have a Zoom H6 portable recorder, a um, couple SM58 microphones. I, I've kind of been paring down my my gear collection because I'm planning on moving uh, in the spring. But um, so so what kind of stuff are you working with? And I use Logic, I guess I should say that Logic Pro X for editing, and then uh, Isotope RX five for Very cleaning nice. up. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, so good. So so what about you? What's your kind of like your day to day favorite All gear right. and stuff? Well, we use a lot, and there's a bunch of gear for field recording, and then pretty much in my office, which which is where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I'll start with my office, basically the post side of things, and then I'll also yep. mention some of the field recording gear that we use. Uh, so here in my office, I've got, right now, I'm actually talking into my my personal mic, which is a Rode NT1A, very affordable, nice, pretty much beginner mic, which actually works and sounds great. I use it for a lot of our voiceover projects here in the church. Nice. So yeah, I'm, talking like into, mics. I'm talking into that right now. Um, but we also have, we use the Shure SM7B as well. We've got a, a nice Neumann that we'll use, um, for, for bigger projects. Um, but, uh, let's see, I'm going into, we like to use, uh, universal audio interfaces. Ooh. So I've, I've got one of those. Yeah. Um, I like those too. They're great. They're rock solid. Um, you really can't beat them. Uh, let's see what else, uh, our main, Recording, editing, audio workstation, we use Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard. Uh, yeah, very standard. Been using that for years and years. Uh, I use a lot of plugins. I use a lot of the Waves <laughs> plugins. Yeah. <laughs> I do use RX as well. Um, that's actually the bulk of it. Um, yeah. I do a lot of processing depending on the project. Let's see. I've got a really huge sound library for if I'm doing narrative pieces or anything that involves sound design, sound effects, I've got a huge sound library and I've got a, a great app called Audio Finder, which is a lot of electronic musicians actually use it to help them find sounds, hmm. but I use it to help me find sounds. It's, it's a very nice way to catalog sounds if you're a sound designer or anything like that. You can basically tag all these audio files with metadata Ooh. And you can search for sounds by their title, or if you type in a, a word in the search bar, it can pull up things based off of the metadata. Like if you have notes on something, it can find it. So it's just a great way to find sounds if you're That's doing really like cool. that. That's really cool. And this is Audio Finder from Iced Audio? Uh, yes, I believe so. Sweet. Put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, great program. I've got some other things in here, but they're not like crazy super. I've got the uh, Artist Control and Artist Mix uh, controllers made by Avid. I use those yeah. mm. if I'm automating stuff. I use those a lot actually when I'm uh, mixing the sermons. Um, do a lot of automation for that. And if I'm mixing a piece with like a music bed or something like that, I like to I like to automate the the music by hand just because it it feels more natural as opposed to clicking, making little dots and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. That's the bulk of 
here in the office, the post stuff. We've got a, uh, all of our audio engineers, we have at least a nice pair of Focal monitors. Uh, I've also got a, another set of monitors that I built myself just to AB. Uh, and for actually when I mix TV episodes, I have an output routed to a TV here in my office so I can hear how it <laughs> translates on TV speakers. Nice. So that, I mean, that's really the bulk of the post side of things. On the, the front end of things, if we're doing shoots for videos, we use sound devices, field recorders. We've got three different models. We've got the 788T, which is an eight channel, so eight mic pre's, um, and it, and it has time code, which is what the T stands for. We've got a hmm. 702, which was the first one we had, which is just two channels, two mic pre's, mm-hmm. nothing fancy. Uh, Sound devices are rock solid. And then we have a 633, which is one of their newer models, uh, which is which is great. Sound devices, they are very steep in price, but they are rock <laughs> solid. The One of the most trustworthy, well-known field recorder brands on the market. That's what you'll see pretty much on every big budget shoot in some way. I've uh, had the... Uh, I do a lot of freelance on the side and I've had the opportunity to do some EPK electronic press kit shoots or BTS shoots for some, for a couple, but more recently a show, uh, on, I think it's on HBO called, uh, shoot, now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it's uh, all right. I can edit out the, uh, the empty <laughs> space if you can think of it. Do you want to look it up? Out, outcast. <laughs> outcast. Yes, I've I've been seeing that because I watch Westworld. Yeah, so uh, pretty sure it's like the same writers or producers or something like that. I know it shares the same writer uh, from The Walking Dead. So Crazy. they shoot here in North Carolina. So I've hmm. with a local production company, we've gone and done some interviews with some of the uh, cast and crew. And so it's been really neat to be on set and see what they're using and whatnot. And it's it's actually pretty cool to see how similar their world is to what we're doing day to day just with more money and more <laughs> more resources but same yeah. thing I'll, I'll see most of their audio guys have some sort of sound devices a lot of them use the 788 as like a backup recording rig and then mm-hmm. uh, they've got larger multi-track recorders um, as well that are also made by sound devices so sound devices is a great brand uh, again it's they're crazy expensive, but when you buy that, you know you've basically got it for life, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this uh, the the sound device is 788 T SSD. I don't know if that's the one you have. Eight channel portable solid state audio recorder. Mm-hmm. Almost so, seven seven grand. Yeah, well, yeah. That, <laughs> yes. I love that though. Yeah. So that's got so fancy. So that SSD, it does have an internal hard drive, and like with ours, we have a hard drive as well. So. It's great because it's got the internal hard drive, but then you can also use CF cards. So you've got, you can record on two different mediums in case something runs out of space. You've got it in two places. This the is newer, super professional stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is basically top of the line kind of thing. <laughs> Fantastic. And everybody, and for all the rest of you, uh, just go with the Zoom H4n or the H6. <laughs> we, hey, we do have a Zoom H4n and we do use that every now and yeah. then as well. Uh, that's actually what, before I came on staff, that was our first field recorder was the H4N. You know, uh, if I could start over and go back to back before I had any kind of interface at all, I think I would buy myself uh, an H4N or H6 because not only are they portable field recorders so you can walk around with them, they've got like little stereo condenser mics on them. Exactly, yeah. But 
they work as audio interfaces too. So you can like plug it into yep. your computer with a USB cable and record straight to your computer, do any kind of podcasting stuff like that just for the price. Because otherwise like, you know, the little, the little two channel interfaces are great. They're about a hundred bucks, you know, 80 to 120 bucks for a good one. Um, but they're not portable. Like you can't take them, you can't take them to a show or yeah. out to a video shoot the way that you can in H4N or an H6 or something. Well, speaking of Zoom, they actually recently have kind of come into the more professional field recording market. They, hmm. about a year ago, I want to say, recorded the F8, I believe it is, which is yeah. an eight-channel eight, eight field <laughs> recorder uh, with eight mic pre's. Uh, and it is actually $9.99, just $1,000 for something very comparable to a sound device. Honestly, you know, there's going to be a, a level of quality that might not be there, but right, especially but, to anyone starting, you're really not going to notice. It's, yeah. Well, and I, and I was going to ask you this earlier yourself too. So just just to um, regress just a little bit, you mentioned that you had vocal, vocal monitors. Um, do you, did you listen to the episode I did a, a few a few episodes back where I was talking about mixing on headphones? Yes, I did. And how I mix on the $10 Panasonics? Yep. What, what do you think about that? You, you, and you, you can be totally honest with me if you want. Like, tell me that it, you think it's a stupid idea or that it's okay. What, like, just what do you think? So I agree to a certain extent. I, I do agree that you should be listening to whatever you're making on whatever the majority of the people are going to be listening to it on. So mm. for a lot of audio engineers mixing music, that's iPod earbuds or iPods irrelevant now. But those standard earbuds that you get with iPhones, yeah. Well, again, now it's changing. <laughs> right. But yeah, so something like that. So like how I mentioned, like Beats. when I mix TV, mm. I've got an, uh, an output routed to a TV in my office so I can hear it on TV speakers. Yeah. But I do also believe in mixing on something with some sort of higher fidelity type of monitoring environment. So whether it's nicer speakers or nicer headphones, uh, because I mean, naturally you're going to, you're going to hear things differently. And honestly, the main thing to take away is how things translate. So if you're, if you're listening to something on just one source and if you make it sound good there, yeah, that's great. But on a different set of speakers in a different environment, it may sound completely different. like iPod earbuds or something like that, they may not have a certain lower range that a lot of other, like a car stereo might have. So Mm. you want to hear just how it translates from one thing to another. So that's why it's good to at least listen to it on two different sources, not just narrow yourself down to like one cruddy thing, which is is good in theory. But you, again, the the key takeaway is translation. Yeah. And I think maybe... Maybe it's a little different for me and I can get away with it because of the consistency of the microphones and the recording environments that we use. Yeah, totally. But um and, and if I think if I was doing more stuff with like you are with videos and clients and all that kind of stuff, I would absolutely be uh using my higher fidelity headphones. Yeah, very, very true. Like like your 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 bulk of your work is dialogue podcast and yeah that's and, really it yeah so <laughs> <laughs> just a dude talking into a microphone yeah but yeah so like if people do want to or are currently uh working in projects whether it's music or film things that have just all these different audio frequencies and spectrums and whatnot thing yeah things will be perceived differently 
um, in different places. So I, I've done a lot of work here where a lot of my mixes, I'm, I'm working in a little small studio, but a lot of my mixes have played in auditoriums and arenas. Wow. And, <laughs> and you can imagine how... How do you even test for that? Uh, well, uh, here, uh, I, I at least have a, a sense of how our auditoriums sound. And so gotcha. I've kind of like trained my ear to hear in advance and understand how it's going to translate. But for something like when we uh, we, we did uh, a live recording in the biggest arena here in Charlotte, and we had a, a video opener piece, and so I was on point for mixing that. And so basically, I just had to work with tech and production to find a time after setup when everything, line check has been done and whatever, to where I can bring my session, copy it onto a laptop, and connect to front of house and basically play it through the PA and make any final mix tweaks there in the auditorium or the arena. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I, I at least kind of tried, like I perfected it in my studio and then any small tweaks or whatever I was able to do in that actual environment. Granted, you know, a lot of the times we may not have that luxury. Right. So there, there are some programs out there which are great um, where they can kind of simulate monitoring environments. Mm-hmm. seen those. I haven't messed with those too much. I do have a program that I downloaded where uh, if you have certain pairs of headphones, you can tell the program, okay, I have these headphones. And if you put on your headphones, you can say, all right, now make my mix sound like it's coming through these headphones or these speakers. Um, so you can basically kind of hear how it might translate. So I think in that program, they have like a final output, like the Beats headphones like we were talking about. You can hear how it might sound on there. Super bass heavy. Super bass. Well, I hear they're getting better, but I still have never bought any. I probably should. Yeah. So there there are definitely programs out there as well to help you see how things translate with different monitors. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So where were we before uh, <laughs> we took that tangent? Oh, we were, uh, we were talking about, I was talking about the gear that we use on location for a location recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the sound devices will be our, our main recorders. Mm-hmm. Um, our mics that we use, we use Sheps. I'm blanking on the model number right now, but it, Sheps, it, it's a shotgun microphone, so it's a very narrow narrow polar pattern with good off-axis rejection. Yep. Um, so Sheps is a great brand when it comes to, uh, I'll, again, these are things that you'll, you'll see on professional movie sets. Sheps, um, that's, yeah, that's the mic that we use. I've also dabbled a little bit. We have some uh, Sennheiser shotguns as well. We've got, I'm blanking again on the model number for these, but it's its like, the M- oh, no, wait, it's the ME66. We have a couple of yep. those, which is more of their entry shotgun mics. Recently, we had something where I rented some of the uh, 416s. And uh, I would like one of those. I hear those are like the, the classic so, yeah, TV the, uh, exactly. shotgun mic. I wanted it. I rented those out because I wanted to try it out for that reason. The Sheps is is very good and very well known on set as well, but so is the 416. And mm-hmm. so I rented that just to try it out because it's it's a trusted mic that a lot of people are using for these professional things, and it's only it doesn't really break the bank for what it is. Yeah, uh, like a thousand dollars, I think. Yeah, and it sounded great. Cool. So, I mean, I I think the next mic I get is either going to be that or the um the road ntg3 yeah heard a so, lot of great things about that i haven't tried one myself but 
that's the, the that's the, the the shotgun mics we shot my podcasting courses with. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Sean uses that for all of his videos, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And uh, you know, I'm excited about uh, getting to go work with those because I'm going to be moving to San Antonio in March or April. Nice. Very nice. So I'm stoked with that. Got a lot cool. of buddies out in Texas. Granted, it's a big it's state. It's a big <laughs> place, man. Holy crap. Okay, so, um. So that's a pretty good run and, and and I'm actually sure that you could you could actually keep going and and discuss a lot more but um I'm I'm actually I, I don't think we necessarily need to go into that. <laughs> it seems like it seems like you guys are at a like a super professional high quality like big investments in professional gear which yeah. I think is fantastic. Um I definitely encourage everyone to to strive for that and aim for that. But then just remember what we said earlier about just like using what you have right now. Like I don't have anything close to what these guys have, uh, but I, like I'm still doing my podcast. You know, I'm still doing the best that I can with what. And I it have. sounds great. Right. Right. Yeah. Because well, and a lot of it is just like knowing how to set gain levels and not yeah, having a it, noisy it's, room. It's crazy. Just what the basics. How far they'll get you. Everything yeah. else is just it's just candy. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the basics. So I've been watching this um, this video course called Zen and the Art of Work, which I really recommend everybody go go watch. It's like thirty bucks, and it's uh, it's a lot of productivity stuff. It's kind of it's weird. It's like mindfulness mixed with productivity, and it's such oh, a I great get. combination. Um, something that they said in that. So in this course, he was like, so many of the masters continually revisit the basics because because mastery is is. One, it's it's staying on a path, so it's not like reaching some some final goal. It's more about just like being with the work and investing in getting better. But then also revisiting the basics. You know, he was talking about playing piano. He was like, I, I a lot of times I just start just by touching the keys, yeah, and then pressing the keys, and then just doing basic scales over and over and over again. And like the and it's true, the better you get at the basics, to where you you can get to the point to where you don't have to think about it, and you're just you're getting the basics right that's when you really start to expand and and get into that level where people are just like, wow, you're so good at that. How did you get so good? You're just like, well, I mean, <laughs> that was just like, that's just, that's just doing the basics. It's not even yeah. anything fancy, yeah, but, it's, exactly. but it's so important to, to master and, and to go back to that. So I was going to say, we're, we're running out of time here. We're going to try to keep this under an hour. Um, what's, um, what's next for you? Like, how do you, how do you invest in yourself and and improve or are you working so much that you just always have more learning opportunities? Do you, um, do you buy books or courses or, or follow any websites or anything to, to learn more about this stuff? Uh, honestly, to learn more, it's for me right now, I've been just in a, a really great, so we had a shift here at work where kind of my role has shifted, like I said, to mainly just broadcast. So that's enabled me to have a little bit more flexibility and free time. So I've been doing a lot more freelance work, which is great because mm-hmm. they, that, that energizes me. It keeps me engaged. It, it keeps me from routine, which routine is great. And I love routine. That's very much my personality, but it also keeps things interesting. Um, but for me, it's all about just like where and how can I get inspired and just mm-hmm. constantly feeding that and and feeding my my desire for creativity because I'm, you know, we're all creatives. We like to create. We were we're, we're designed to be creators really. Yeah. Yeah. And so everything that I try to do is just how, how can I become a better creator? How, what can I create next? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just finding things that inspire me really. Um, 
uh, a, a few of the resources that I like, uh, we touched uh, lightly on, like where are things that I've learned or picked things up from. If uh, you're interested in audio for post-production, um, there's a couple of great books by Rick Veers. If you've ever heard that name before. How do you spell his last name? Uh, V-I-R-E-S. His first name is actually R-I-C. No K. Oh, R-I-C. V-I-R-E-S? Yes. Okay. Uh, he has uh, two of the books that I have that which are really great. It's the Sound Effects Bible. And it, it's not just sound effects in there. He talks about everything from gear to microphones to like we're talking about basics, uh, setting proper gains, even talking about compression, some mixing techniques. Mm-hmm. But then he also has the Location Sound Bible, which there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of talk about gear, shotgun mics, uh, lav mics, like you were talking about a couple episodes ago. He talks about mm-hmm. that, uh, recorders, and then also dives into some of the basics when it comes to, again, mixing, proper gain staging. Uh, so those are a really great pool of knowledge in book form. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other books out there, but I, I found those two to, be, two to be really helpful. And uh, other than that, when it comes to at least audio for video it's a very very small niche field and uh there's not too crazy amount of like stuff out there where there might be for mixing music right right for that you've got tons you've got pensado's place you've got all these people on youtube putting out all these different channels on mixing mixing it from home mixing on Mm -hmm. a budget all this stuff (laughs) there's plenty of that YouTube Graham is- Cochran, <laughs> Cochran and, uh, and Joe Gilder are two pretty fantastic resources for that. Yes. So YouTube can be a pool of knowledge for anything and everything too. Again, just you got to dig a little bit, do some searching. Um, but then on the, more on the inspiration side, uh, for me, since I love audio for video, uh, Soundworks Collection is a great place. They, uh, they'll do many uh, videos on basically interviewing the sound people that did sound for fill in the blank movie. So whether it was the last Harry Potter or, um, I mean, anything and everything like big budget films too, they'll sit down with, uh, the recording people or not, not just the recording people, but also the sound designers, the, the mixers. And it's really cool because they'll show footage of, of them doing stuff either on location or, the Foley artist, and it's really cool to just see their process. And that kind of, at least for me, just helps helps me stay inspired and makes me kind of want to be like, oh, cool, gives me ideas to do other things. Yeah. Um, they also have a podcast as well. Oh, what's that? Do you know the name of that one? It should just be a Soundworks Collection. Cool. And uh, that's really great because the videos can be kind of short, um, maybe... 10-ish minutes, but the podcast will go on for at length talking to the audio guys that have made sound for videos possible. And it'll also be uh, uh, music composers as well for videos, Mm -hmm. uh, for movies. So that's really great. Uh, I found that really great, not only as inspiration, but to know what and how uh, basically audio professionals for big budget films get inside their minds really and and understand how they're thinking, what their process looks like. But then it's also really neat to see that and be like, oh, wait a minute, we're not so different. Yep. So I, I love that aspect of it. So Soundworks Collection is great. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, that'll work, man. Um, 
yeah, I'd, I'd say we go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Where uh, where should people go if they want to learn more about you and connect with you? So if you want to see or hear any of my work, you can go to ryanmonette.com. Uh, and also I've got a contact page. So if you have any questions or want, I don't know, any info. Just want to say hi. Or yeah, like, anything. Just yeah. go to that contact me section. You can write a message, email me, and I will definitely get back to you. Awesome. Awesome. And you can find me at the podcastdude.com. I, I think everybody probably knows that at that point. <laughs> um, but if, you know, for some, if some, for some reason, this is your first time listening, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at the podcast dude. Uh, you can email me Aaron at the podcast dude.com. If you have questions, if you need advice, if you want to learn more about my story, you know, I, I also have a website, Aaron where I kind of, I've written blog posts about my journey from like poor musician who, works at a factory to like dude who works on podcasts all day long and gets paid for it. Super weird, but it it was an awesome journey. So I'm always happy to talk about it. I think I'm going to write a book about it sometime in the next year or two. Yes. Hopefully to help, hopefully to help other people do something similar. So yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, there's more on iTunes, the podcast dude.com slash iTunes, leave a review while you're there. If you appreciate it, I appreciate you for doing that and uh, check out seanwest.com. There's more, fantastic resources for learning how to be a freelancer or learning how to be uh, just a creative professional. You know, there's so many opportunities now to work with businesses and work with other people and make a living, you know, doing work that isn't, you know, going to a retail store or or a restaurant to pay your bills. You know, there's, (laughs) if you have a computer, there's lots of work to do on the internet. So seanwest.com is a great place to learn about that kind of stuff. Super smart people, all my friends, they're they're rad, positive, amazing people, and uh, yeah, start there, and um, you'll love it. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. This is great. I had a good time. All right, so I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I don't think I'm forgetting anything. <laughs> I think I got it all. Oh well, I could just touch on it next week. There all we right, go. so quick outro music, and then we'll just uh, we'll chat for a bit in the after show, and then we'll get out of here. Sounds good. I got a nerdy question here. Ooh, can't wait. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so this is this is kind of like uh, I think about normalizing and uh and compression, I think. So uh oh man, I always get her name wrong. Aya, Aya, Aya had asked, I'm so torn about normalizing sound clips. If I'm working on a long, longer project in segments, would it be better to adjust my peaks manually for the sake of consistency? And she says it's for a, a video project. So what I'm what I'm hearing is is like differences in video volumes. How do you how do you deal with that? Do you do compression? Do you do automation for for the different parts? Um, yeah, 
for, um, for dynamics? How do you how do you deal with dynamics? So it depends on the project, really. But so I'll kind of talk about at least how I would mix like a sermon because that's very very dynamic. Our our pastor will go from whispering, holding his handheld mic about close to his stomach to screaming, holding the microphone uh, on his mouth, cupping, <laughs> cupping the capsule. I, I feel like he should do it the other way if he's going <laughs> to yeah. scream, like yeah. hold it down. And if you're going to whisper, hold it close. I mean, but, but power and respect to him because it, it creates a, a certain atmosphere, uh, yeah, no, which is, true. has a very powerful, powerful effect. So that's what I'm dealing with on a weekly basis. So <laughs> that dynamic range is tremendous. Yeah. So what I will typically do in that situation, and keep in mind too, this is also going to TV eventually, and TV has very strict um, dynamic restrictions. range restrictions. Yeah, yeah, and and not so much on level, but um, perceived level. So there's a difference between what you see meter and what what you're hearing, which yeah, I can. And talk at length about that too as well could you you give us a short a super short version because i'm kind of aware of that but i being that i just mixed in logic i'm not sure exactly how to measure it yeah so is there a way to measure it in logic do you know um is there a plugin you use i use i I use a plugin from waves it's a loudness meter and it's just that it basically and it's got a lot of presets too so i'll use the preset which is the tv standard which is Uh, ATSC 85 and I'll use it for my dialogue bus and then they've also got one for like kind of a master bus and so the standard right there is your your average level around minus 24 dB LKFS Um, so that's full scale Um, and that kind of like if you've got like a classic meters where your your peak would be zero that on average would be metering right around minus 10. And okay. so at least for TV, I've got a hard limiter at minus 10 dB uh, to where nothing can go above that. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the the basic idea, the difference between like levels on a meter versus perceived loudness is is we, we hear loudness differently than the differences between what we hear and basically energy. Uh, yeah. so, so like in our TV program, we'll have the sermon, but then we'll also have a talking head segment where it's just dialogue in a music bed. But then we'll also go into segments where they play a clip of worship from our live album, which had been mixed and mastered as an album. So that thing's, you know, slammed. If you look at the waveform, it's as we call a sausage. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so if I, if I, if I'm setting all that by the meters alone and, they're all hitting minus 10, mm-hmm. you know, that it may look right. But if I look at my loudness meter, that that worship segment is going to be off the charts because there's so much more content in there. You've got a wider, there's so much going on with all the different frequency ranges as opposed yeah. to a, a dialogue track where it's just this narrow field in the fe- frequency spectrum. So that's kind of, I don't know, the gist about it really. Um, So when it comes to my technique really about controlling dynamics, for something uh, like mixing the sermon, I will basically start, uh, at least if I'm going down my plug-in chain, first thing I have naturally is just a a high-pass filter. Yeah. Um, Just rolling off all that unnecessary lows that is hogging energy. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then the next thing I'll do is I'll set a compressor. Uh, I'll set that to kind of, uh, I'll set the attack to kind of right in the middle. So not, not fast, but not slow. Uh, and then I'll have the release time at fast. So that way we don't really hear it pumping. We don't hear it like letting go. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got that. That's pretty much kind of catching my peaks. And it's not doing a crazy, crazy mount, but it kind of is. That's that's helping doing a lot of the bulk compression. Yeah. But before anything really hits that, I will go through. And as I work my way through the mix, I will what we call clip gain, basically the waveform, so that, mm-hmm. say, if he, like, he's whispering somewhere, I might like keep that, depending how I have my compressor set. But then if, if we go up to a part where he's screaming and my waveform mm-hmm. is just like huge, mm-hmm. I will take that down, and then I will basically create those little nodes, those little dots in the waveform, and drag the actual like clip volume down, that gain down. So that way, yeah. it's not going into the compressor at this huge set gain. It's kind of right. hitting the compressor evenly as the rest of it would. So that way it's not driving the compressor crazy. And then I'll go through and do some EQ and DSing and whatnot. And I might do some, a few other, add some more compressors in there just to more of like a fast attack, fast release, just to cl- like grab any of those quick little things coming through or whatever. Yeah. The rest after that is just very subtle for smoothing it out. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my so it is a little process. it is a little bit of both yeah so so I would say if if she has access to an audio editing program I don't know what she's using for editing but if you can put a compressor on the track then do that and uh, and I I'll actually I'm gonna audition okay yeah so it's not exactly the same but I did a video uh, a YouTube video about how I process podcast vocals and it's actually very similar. Um, I start with a within like an EQ, a high pass filter. I do like actually I start with a noise removal plugin that Logic has, yeah, just to clean up some of the line noise. So and I then, will um, actually sorry sorry to interrupt. No, go I ahead. Actually, go ahead. I actually have my noise suppressor. Uh, I use the Waves noise suppressor. I love it a lot. Uh, I will yeah, actually use that later on down in my signal chain, just because my way of thinking is if I've got all this compression going on then basically the compression is narrowing that dynamic range. So in essence, it's basically bringing up that noise floor. Yeah. So I, t- I tend to do my noise suppression like after the bulk of my compression just because that noise floor is higher and I can kind of like, uh, it's, it's easier to work on the suppressor. I, uh, <laughs> if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I accidentally started playing this YouTube video. Well, no, because I wanted to copy <laughs> this. Okay. I've th- I've thought about it a lot. Like, if you should do the noise removal before or after you add a bunch of gain with a compressor or something, and I, I like I can't think of a good reason to. I argue go back and forth, way. honestly. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's kind of like whatever. It's like you can clean it. You can take out the noise before you add a bunch of gain, or yeah. you can add a bunch of gain and take out the noise afterwards, which yeah. is better. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, then EQ the high pass filter, uh, then like a peak compressor, sometimes a, a an RMS or an average level compressor. Uh, and then like, a well, uh, I think I put, usually put DSer before the compressor. Yeah. So I yeah, just, I've just go watch well. this video I put in the show notes <laughs> or you can search Google for how to process podcast vocals in Logic Pro X. Uh, I explained all that stuff here. So I will say though, uh, like I, I mentioned earlier before I had my long winded answer, it does too <laughs> depend on 
what it is you're mixing, whether it be music, yeah. a podcast, or something for film. When it comes to like dialogue for film, you want to have that stay as natural sounding as possible. But then again, yeah. you also want to be able to hear if someone's whispering. So when it comes to that, I will, I'll still use a compressor, but it, it will be very, very light. And yeah. then if there's anything I need to do to meet like loudness or anything like that, that I will automate basically the volume on my dialogue bus. I'll kind of bring that up. So that way gotcha. it just it sounds a little bit more natural as opposed to just solely relying on a compressor to do all the work for you. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I so yeah, I um the way I do it for podcasts is if I notice there's a section where someone was talking much quieter, like if I if I was a guest and I backed away like this, uh and I talked like at this distance for uh, three or four or five, ten minutes. Uh, and then if, and then I went back to the normal distance from the microphone. What I will actually do inside of Logic is turn that into its own clip. So like make a cut on either side of the quiet yep. part. And then you can double in Logic, you can double click on it uh, and then change gain by hitting yeah. control G. And then you can add three or four or five dB to it. And, uh, and that works out pretty well. But I don't like to do it like every, if it's like, every five seconds or if I have to do it more than like five or six times in an episode, I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just Only compress if it's it. a substantial chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be something you can do. Just, just look at the overall thing and then see if there's long stretches where you need to change, use automation to change the gain, or maybe you can change the clip gain. Yeah. It's case by case. Um, yep. When you emailed me a list of questions, you, you asked one question that, we didn't get we to didn't answer get that to? that I feel like would be good to talk about in, in regards to podcasting. Uh, yeah. You had asked, uh, what do you like about podcasts? What common mistakes do you hear people make? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Initially, when I, when I read this, I was like, oh, man, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I, I did. I spent some time and thought about it. And um, this, is, this is great because it kind of piggybacks off the loudness thing. Perfect. A, a, a lot of the mistakes that I hear when it comes to podcasts in regards to audio is the the levels and the whole loudness aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll listen to some podcasts where it sounds great and then I'll put on another podcast and it, the whole thing is super quiet, but then, but then they start laughing and then it's really loud. And, mm-hmm. and then there's some <laughs> podcasts where like mine did, they had a music bed underneath the entire thing. And then sometimes the music bed is so quiet you hardly even know it's there. You're like, what's what the heck is that noise in the background? What was, yeah, what was that? What was that sound that just happened? <laughs> yeah. I swear, I heard something. Or sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the music bed is way too loud. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a that's a few of the things that I've noticed, and I think a lot of that a lot a lot of the fixes can kind of relate to what we just talked about, and at least having the knowledge of of levels and perceived loudness. Um, so if, if you're mixing a podcast, just doing whatever it needs, you know, needs to be done to at least like make sure your level's consistent. And one of the biggest things I can recommend for anyone mixing anything, whether it's music, uh, movies, uh, a podcast, the importance of having a reference. Yeah. And so, I don't talk about that enough. And uh, that that is huge. Uh, and professional audio engineers who mix, you know, platinum records still do this. They will mm-hmm. pull in a, a track from a different song that is mixed well and is mixed how they want theirs to sound like. And they'll have it in their session. They'll have it muted. And when they mm-hmm. want to 
just have a reference to listen to or, or train their ear, then they'll unmute it, solo it and be like, oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm sure we fall, like you've done the same thing as me where you'll be so involved in a mix where you're just in it and you're in it and you're in it and you think it sounds great. And then maybe you, you go away, go home, sleep at night and you come back and then you open it up and you're like, whoa, what was I thinking? You can get so involved in it that, you know, the blinders go on, you get tunnel vision and you're kind of just not aware to some things, which is why one, it's good to have a riff, a reference track to kind of a B, but sometimes I'll also even pull someone in who hasn't heard the thing at all and just have them sit in and be like, Hey, what do you think? Kind of just to get like an outsider opinion. But the, the main takeaway is the reference track. So, I mean, that would definitely help with anything, whether it be the timbre, how you're EQing or the loudness, you know, if you, you pull in their track and theirs is by far louder than yours mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you know, automatically like, okay, I need to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, so that's a great idea. So what people should do is, um, well, I mean, you can kind of do this before or after, like say you go through, you edit your whole podcast, get everything set up the way you want. Then you can create an extra track. And then go find a podcast that sounds really good, like This American Life or pretty much anything by NPR or yeah. <laughs> any of the big producers. Uh, Radio Lab is phenomenal. Yep. Those are two great podcasts, period. And I'm sure most people have heard of them. Download an episode, drop it into your editing program, and then just play it and switch between, like, mute it and then let it play and see how, like, see what the difference is. Yeah. Because maybe you need to add some gain with a with an adaptive limiter or with a compressor, or maybe you can tell like your 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 track sounds way sharper or harsher. There's too many high frequencies or too much bass compared to that one. Then you can adjust those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm actually man. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I never thought of that before, and that's such a good idea. <laughs> it's yeah. It's definitely one of those things that you don't really think of much, but once you do it, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of really eye-opening and really helpful. Fantastic. Man. Yeah. And 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 I like I wish I could sit here and talk to you more, but I know show note writers are gonna are gonna be crying <laughs> if we keep going. So I've got more. I've got more. I, I know. I might have to have you on for another episode. Or I'm, uh or maybe I'm always we could down. do I don't know. Maybe we could do like a YouTube video. I want to do more stuff with YouTube. I, yes, I am all for that. That is actually one thing that I really wanted to do when I had my podcast. I had actually designed our podcast to translate and eventually be a YouTube show. So mm. if, if anyone ever listens to that podcast, we never really called it a podcast. We called it a show because we had future intentions of becoming something kind of more than just a podcast. Yeah. But yeah. yes, yeah, I like I've got... I've kind of, you know, from doing this for so long, I've, I've figured out techniques and things that have worked for me for various different like mixing styles and, and whether it be mixing voiceover with a music bed and trying to figure out the blend on, on where should the music bed sit and figuring out how to do that. I've, I've, I've figured out ways and techniques to do that. And, you know, a lot of that, like I can talk about that, but it's really helpful if you kind of see that process. Yeah, well, I would definitely encourage you to to do screencasting and stuff, man. When you when you have time, it's great. Yeah. Um, I, I like I think for this we should like we should jump on a call someday, just even if it's just webcams, uh, and talk about kind of like do a quick recap of this episode, and and like go over some of the same stuff we talked about, and then uh, 
and then point people back to the podcast. I think it'd be a great way to promote this. Yeah. And I think even like uh, a screen cap, kind of like you and I or something like that, you, you can show, you know, your logic session for a basic podcast mix. And I can show like my Pro Tools session for one of my podcast mix or any other yeah. kind of thing I've done like that. I'm, I've, uh, Dude, that'd be super fun. Yeah. So that, I'm awesome. always I'm always down to share stuff like that. Awesome. So I'm going to write both those things done, down and then uh, I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to figure out how to make that happen. Let's do it. I'm down. All right. It's awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much. And uh, and I'll let you go now. Everybody have an excellent, uh, excellent day. Get lots of work done. And thanks for listening to this show. Thanks, Aaron. Bye bye, man. I'll uh, talk to you, man. I'm just super weak. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to like make it sound casual and I just failed miserably. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot, dude. I'll catch you later. I'll yeah, email you. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> you don't always get to sound cool while you're podcasting. <laughs> Sometimes you sound downright dumb. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Hope that was helpful and interesting. When It did go kind of long and I got to get off and go do a team call. So... Have an excellent day and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.